Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Dark Raven 080. Ooh, Dark Raven 08. That's That sounds like a World of Warcraft username right there. That's when I hit, that's when I hit my golf, golf phase. <laughs> uh, goth Jimmy phase is one of my favorite exactly. artistic eras. Um, I'm right. What was your what was your screen name? Uh, I've kept it the same forever and ever and ever, so it's not going to go on the. Are podcast. you kidding? I still use it. Yeah, my very first AIM screen name is now my Gmail address and all over the place. My like well, there you go. Screen name. Yeah, just the one. How it's been how, great. how boring? I know. How, right? Did you not ever think oh, I'm going I'm going to just make one? Yeah. Just for like banter. Yeah. No? I mean, like the. The most nerdy screen name I've ever created was Musical Theater Mash. <laughs> I suppose it works, you know? Yeah, when it works, it works. It's a pretty apt descriptor, I think. I don't think there's going to be much I can use Dark Raven 080 <laughs> for, but. I think you should. Hey, you never know. You should go all in on it. Put it on the top bring it back. of your resume. Screw as in Hendrix. Dark Raven 080 is where it's at. Yeah. The 8 was really... Like, I was raving in a lot of places. Yeah. I was really into that. It was a, I, f- I discovered Edgar Allan Poe when I was 40, 14. Mm-hmm. And so it just... I, I, got I enjoy that your goth phase is inspired more by, like... <laughs> actual goth. <laughs> like, tragic gothic <laughs> like, poetry and not, like, yeah, exactly. punk rock or something. <laughs> punk rock. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, like, yeah, because I start. Well, I started off as like this, like dark, mm-hmm. you know, broody teenager, uh-huh. and then turned into emo and like discovered all of those bands. <laughs> so I start. You know, I kind of did it the opposite way. So as, you, you know, you instead of backwards. becoming an intellectual, I started as an intellectual and then <laughs> gradually got worse. <laughs> that I can't. That's I cannot fine. wait to read your memoirs. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour, your weekly podcast with waltzes and wine. Mmm. Delicious. We've not had wine. Just first time we've had wine. Re- you know, I mean, it, wine, wine is safe for special occasions, Jimmy. It is. <laughs> well, is it? No. no. It's safe for the evening. It's, it's saved for Sometimes. like Thursdays. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. We can say this is a vintage wine. Hooray. Um, speaking of vintage wines, mm-hmm. no, let's just say we're both drinking vintage wines. Uh, no, I am drinking a glass of Mum's 87. Thank you very much. Okay. It's my okay. It's my best champagne. I see. Well, I'm just drinking some wine. <laughs> <laughs> Last week it was mead. This week it's wine. Wine. It's, What's next? What, right? what boring drink choice will Jimmy choose next? Tune in next Exactly. Week. I know. <laughs> Hooray. Um, okay. Want to know what we're talking about? Tea? I do. Otherwise, this tea is going to be tea? a really difficult podcast. I know, right? Okay. So, um, people got this, which was great. Which was great. Um, yeah, I was happy about that. So, one of the songs in the original production of this show was specifically written to accommodate the leading lady's tiny lungs. 
I love that. <laughs> Twi- tiny lungs is a beautiful thing. Um, interestingly, mm-hmm. Tommy, mm-hmm. did you know that this is not the first time a song has been written to accommodate this actress? I did know this because we talked about it last week. We did, didn't we? <laughs> um, so what show, show is that? It's, of course, the one and only A Little Night Music. I do find that interesting. Yeah. That so that's that's yeah, Glynis Jones. Glynis Jones is Johns Jones. Johns, I, I don't know, I don't one know. of them. Um, that she's, uh, you know, so so desired mm-hmm. that they write that songs for her. People are like, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm writing so, you, Sister Suffragette. Well, we'll talk about it more. But uh, Sondheim wrote, "Send in the clowns to accommodate her voice." And yeah. you can. There's a, a great YouTube video. I'll try and find it to put in the show notes. Um, where he talks about how like it, he wrote it so she could breathe, and he goes, "Isn't it rich? Breathe, breathe. Are yep. we a pair? <laughs> breathe, breathe." Yeah, it's like she needs these huge yeah. breaths. But also, "Sister exactly. Suffragette" was written for her and Mary Poppins, which is probably one of my favorite songs from the film. So, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm, there's no joke there. Yeah. I love it. I love her little our daughters, daughters. I was so it's, allured by that when I was younger. It's adorable. You know, they wrote it for her because she thought she was getting cast to play Mary Poppins and was just disappointed that she was. That she didn't have a song. That she didn't have a song. And Aww. and Disney was like, no, 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 we have a song for you. And then ran to the Sherman Brothers and was like, you have to write a song right now. Is that in B- um, Saving Mr. Banks? Mm, I've never seen Saving Mr. Banks. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's fantastic. Yeah. Especially if you're into Mary Poppins in any way, shape, or form, it's incredible. Uh, but if not, it's still just a great that film. That sounds great. Emma, and they're Emma, doing the new Emma one soon. Thompson. With a. I know th- they've released the first picture of Emily Blunt. Oh, and it's got everyone I love in it, literally. Yeah. Like Dick, it seems that way. Dick Van Dyke, it? Angela Lansbury, Lima No Miranda, Emily Blunt. What more can you ask? Is for? Meryl Streep in it as well? Have I heard Probably. that? Probably. She might not know it yet, but. She'll be a chimney sweep. She's in, in everything, isn't she? She'll, she'll win the Oscar Probably. for it. You know that much. Chimney sweep. Um, <laughs> but that's not yeah, what we're talking good. about today. 
No, it's definitely not. We're not talking about Mary Poppins. Although similar time period. Similar time period. It shares a lot a of different a country. lot of actresses. Not really, actually. Yeah. Well, no, just her. Just her. Just her. But that's fine. Um, so a lot of name music. I thought to summarize it, we may as well just take it straight from Mr. Sondi's mouth. So this is from uh, um, Finishing the Hat, which is the blue one for people who are more color oriented than yep, like me. Or it's the one with him writing at a piano. Oh, is that the back? If you, no, that's what I've got. It's the the British version. Oh, yours are different. No way. Yeah, you knew that. I've shown you that before. What? Mine looks so. Di- that's his. That's the picture on the back of mine. Oh, I like yours oh, so much more. On the back of mine, I've just got a selection of pictures. That's one of him kissing Bernadette. I had no idea. These no, had, not him. I think these had different dust jackets. You have not shared this with me. Oh, I'm sorry. Look, here's the show that we're talking about today. Oh, there it is. A little this is great thing. fun for you at home, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> do, do you want to read this? Um, you want me to read this? Stephen Sondheim's summary like of a little to, my I, music. Let me read it. I want to read All it. Right. You got to read Patty last time. I did. So I'm going to do some reading today. Do you ever do that in, in um, elementary school? Imitate Patty LaPone all the time. All the time. <laughs> Would you do that when you're like reading books? Did you ever like try and get the longest paragraph? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing just, you did? Just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just like reading. Okay. The Place and Time, a town in Sweden at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, Frederick Egerman, a prosperous widowed lawyer in his early 40s with a 20-year-old son, Henrik, has been married for almost a year to an 18-year-old girl, Anne, whom he has known since she was a child. Due to her shyness, he has not been able to consummate the marriage. Desiree Armfelt, an actress and his ex-lover, arrives in time to appear in a play. When she and Frederick meet again, the old flame is rekindled, but she has a married lover, Count Carl Magnus Malcolm, whose wife, Charlotte's sister, once went to school with Anne. Romantic complications ensue during a weekend party at a country estate of Madame Armfelt, Desiree's imperious, wealthy ex-courtesan of a mother, involving also Desiree's teenage daughter, Frederica, and Petra, the Egerman's flirtatious maid, to whom Henrik and Frid... Madame Arfeld's butler are both attracted. And if you'll understand that, you'll understand anything. <laughs> it's a tragic light farce. Exactly. You know, for a writer, he's not good at writing his own su- summaries, is he? I mean, I that's very complicated. I, he, it's, it's like hit and miss. I love the company summary. Um, but this one is. But this. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. But this one, it, I mean, this makes the plot sound much more complicated than it is. It's a, it's a, it's a farce. It's not a bedroom farce, but it's like a light romantic comedy farce with some tragedy. Yeah. Instilled in it. Yeah, exactly. So, music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, book mm-hmm. by Hugh Wheeler, Their who first also did collaboration. The book for Sweeney Todd. Is it? Yep. Um, he also did the book for Candide, Candide, mm-hmm. as well. Candide. So he's a good. He's a Candide, yeah. Well, it's French, isn't it? Well, not when you do it in English. Candide. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yes, yeah, so he's he's a very good book writer. And it's got mm-hmm. a very, very good book. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it says in um, finishing the, it's suggested by, I don't <laughs> know what how that is different by inspired by, but it's suggested by uh, the film's Smiles of a Summer Night by Ingmar Bergman mm-hmm. after originally... Um, Intended to be based in a play called Ring Around the Moon, but they couldn't get the rights. They couldn't get the rights, and varying reports say um, part of it, part of the genesis of a little night music was based on some of the financial failure of Follies, which came right before, mm-hmm. um, which was yeah. Hal Prince and Sondheim together, and so 
Son, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, I think we'll, we'll talk about this in a bit, but I think it actually dictated a lot Absolutely. of what a little night music is. Absolutely. But that's part of why it seems to be inspired by so many things is because they were very seriously looking for something that uh, that they thought would be a success. I think it's more complicated mm-hmm. than that, but to put it easily. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it premiered on Broadway in 1973. Um, Glynis Johns from our quiz question was in it, as well mm-hmm. as Lynn Carew, who ended up being Sweeney Todd. Uh, it won the Tony did, for indeed. Best Musical that year. Yep. I think it won was it Best Score and Best Book it won, as well. It won a couple well. things. It did very well. Yeah. Um, it was the success they wanted it to be, that's for sure. Um, exactly. I got it right uh, here. It best Musical, to... Best Book, Best Score, Leading Actress, a Featured Actress, and Costume Design. Fab. Well done. Bravo. Then it popped over here in 1975. Uh, but more notably, it was revived in 95 with uh, Dame Judi Dench. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only reason why it's notable, just because just she, she was in it. And it was re- it's like they put a whole <laughs> show on so that Judi Dench could sing Send in the Clowns. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine with that. Why not? Um, and then again mm-hmm. uh, in 2008, and this is the important one, um, the Menier, mm-hmm. uh Yet another musical to pop out in the many. Eh? Mm-hmm. Actually, I went through today and I kind of looked at all the successful ones. They're like churning It's had them about out. 10 really yeah. successful shows. So um, many is where Color Purple yeah. came from. Also, this is the first time I've heard you say many out loud. And I'm delighted I've never tried to say it because I would have mispronounced that. Menier. I would have said the Menier chocolate I probably would have said minor, <laughs> which is even totally wrong. That's not even how okay. it's spelled. This is uh, French, obviously. Um, look at your mug. Everyone look at Tommy's mug. <laughs> This is such a visual podcast. <laughs> I'm drinking my champagne out of a copper mug today, friends. You are. It's beautiful. It's secretly a Moscow Mule, but we don't need to tell the viewers that. That's look, okay. it's you. Did you know Moscow Mule is my favorite drink? Really? I got these yeah. copper mugs so I could make Moscow Mules in them. I'm really proud of you. I love Moscow um, Mules. And then I have a backup beer afterwards <laughs> because this is uh, the life I lead. The absolutely glamorous life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, uh, 2008 at the Menier Chocolate Factory I said that The right. Menier, yep yes. And then that popped over the pond mm-hmm. uh, In a nice little box to Broadway um, Where they picked up Catherine Zeta-Jones Catherine Zeta-Jones and Angela Lansbury Yay And then later replaced by Bernadette Peters and um, Elaine Stritch yeah, I know. It, it did some good cast. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is the new contemporary cast recording. And if you're out there, this is the one to listen to. I will say, by and large, we'll talk more about it. Yeah, we will talk more about it. But yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's a good Um And this was the last time we ever saw Elaine Stritch on a Broadway stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a good, what a good... And I think, well, yeah, exactly. I think she she wouldn't have wanted it any yeah. other I way. I mean, maybe. this and uh, uh, What's-Her-Face, the grandma in um, Pippin. Those are those are the roles in life you want to go out on. Mm-hmm. But I think for Elaine, just because of her relationship with Stevie, mm-hmm. that she would love to go out well, on a Stevie. And not only her relationship with, with Sondheim, but also just like the role itself. The role itself is very Elaine stretch. Like, I know. Especially well, at that, that I age. I think it's kind of beautiful that it, it ends with her dying. Yeah, it's very sweet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's got some nice dresses in it as well. So. Which I'm sure she loves. Um, yeah. The, they also made a movie, mm-hmm. which I didn't know about. Really? Until I was told. I've never, yeah, I I never want to watch it. Um, it's supposed to be awful. I've watched Sen and the Clowns from it, and it is. Yeah. So, But, I mean, it's Liz Taylor. Like, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you know what you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, Sondheim talks um, about it in Finishing the Hat. He doesn't like it either. It sounds like yeah. 
Hal Prince was very, very passionate about it and then became less passionate as the movie started to happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. But I did put in here, because Sondheim is a big movie buff, um, he mm-hmm. very meticulously uh, laid out how A Weekend in the Country should be cut in the movie. And so yeah. it's like the one, one of the few times you get to see like Sondheim's movie buff sort of passion overflow into his musical theater. I know. I, do you know what? I didn't even realize he was that much of a movie buff. Oh, he's huge. Um, until I read this chapter. Yeah. Um, and he was saying it used to work. It used to work in movies. He used like, to, yeah, he used to do some internship on movies. Like internship's the wrong word, but he was a clapper boy and things. Yeah, yeah. which I think is very cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, it what the movie does have though is the solo version of Glamorous Light. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is fab. Yes. I love it. There are some interesting I, rewrites I in the movie. Lot. Well, and what's what is so fascinating to me is especially reading the finishing the hat chapter on um, a little night music is seeing. Sondheim has a really good grasp about how you need to change a stage musical to make it fit on screen. Mm-hmm. And, like, f- seems to have a good understanding of why this didn't work and what the problems were. And also incorporated a bunch of changes in an attempt to make it work. Which is so cool. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. And he, do you know what? Again, reading, mm-hmm. um, I was really surprised at how fine he was with, like, cutting the quintet. Yeah. And... Um, and he t- he talked about I realize we're kind of going off topic already, but um, he talked about in Sweeney Todd that you know that they decided to cut the course, mm-hmm. and he just said it with no, no kind of no questions asked. Yeah. Now I to me that's one of the the downfalls of the Sweeney Todd movie. Yeah, is that it doesn't have any of the chorus stuff. Yeah. but he completely understands why it's yeah. not there. And I, I, as do I. I think he's absolutely but just right. Just as a fan, but I don't see it. It's sad yeah. to see it go. Yeah, it's really it's um, he's got a knack for movies, and or, or maybe not a knack, but like. A, 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 a an eye for it for being such yeah. a, a stage musical theater person obviously movies right. are, are also one of his passions which is really cool exactly i mean he's written for a lot of them now yeah so yeah um maybe we'll see another one yeah. um and i don't understand this, this is a point. thing i want to do <laughs> um so cool. i've said a couple times the first line of a show tells you everything you need to know about the show mm-hmm. i think that's true with a little night music um skipping the overture basically which has words mm-hmm. in it but it's still kind of an overture um which yeah. is special to this show it has kind of a sung overture which are a little smatterings. yeah like a vocal overture yeah. a vocature, but it's still just it like smatterings of songs to come so it's not like the intentional first plot point of the show yeah the first lines yeah. frederica says if you cheated a little it would come out and madame arnfeld says solitaire is the only thing in life that demands absolute honesty and i think this is the perfect <laughs> setup line for a little night music because it implies that everything else in life you can cheat at, mm-hmm. and it it's yeah. Well, the, yeah, he he says that it's it's a musical about wasting time. Yeah, yeah, and it's that kind of it's all it's all about diversions mm-hmm. and diversionary mm-hmm. tactics. Yeah, and this discussion uh, of whether you do something alone, like solitaire, or whether you do something with another person. Um, exactly. So I th- I think this is a really interesting exploration into things, and I want to do it more. Mm-hmm. So I put it in the show now. Excellent. Well, it's, it isn't because I feel like um, this show goes against any sort of like monomous structure that we're used to in musical theatre. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Because it, you you don't get your setup song. You don't get your location song. I guess that's true. Um, I wonder if that's... Because... You get, I guess, character setup, but not everyone. Yeah. Um. So I like the idea that it's almost like, well, here's two lines for you. Yeah. 
good luck. That'll do you. Yeah. <laughs> You're set up now. Yeah. <laughs> off we off we go. Um Which is is great. Yeah, absolutely. Unpack the luggage Why don't we contextualize where this is in the Sondheim chronology? I, I think that's important. I think because so many of his shows, you understand more when you know like what came before and what comes after and like where he is in his um in his life, in his career. Absolument. So, um so where is he? We're we're pretty we're early on, I would say. I mean not yeah. like super early. People know who Stephen Sondheim is. He has a name for himself. Um yeah. You know, so, I mean, I've got the uh, finishing the hat con- uh, uh, contents in front of me, but it goes Saturday yeah. Night, West Side Story, Gypsy, Forum, Anyone Can Whistle, Do I Hear a Waltz, Company Follies, A Little Night Music. So exactly. his ninth big show that he had, you know, billing on, mm-hmm. I would say. And I feel like uh, Company was the first thing to make people like, here's an artist. Yeah. It's where where right. he started and breaking then, the rules. Yeah. And then he kind of tried again in Follies. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as successfully. Yeah. See, Follies was kind of... A, I, ahead of its time is the wrong way to put it, but... It just It's just... Uh, it, it's not for Broadway, yeah. my opinion. We'll get to that when we do Follies. Yeah. Um, the, so here, this was almost like his comeback. Yeah. Right? Would you agree with that? I would. And it. I, I think this is where... Sondheim and his collaborators in a lot of in this time in the you know late in the early 70s late 60s um mm-hmm. they were trying to kind of change what musical theater was and like pushing the envelope as to what this artistry artistry is and i think yeah. a little night music is a tiny little retreat back into the form and concept of musical theater yeah exactly and it it uses some you know it is a linear plot it it, yeah. it follows the unities of time there's only some conflicts you know it's light farce um yeah like which certainly a funny thing happened on the way to the forum was but that was before we were breaking the rules and that was his fir- that was his first exactly. Do you know i mean so you're not you're not going to jump in with a company are you right you're not going to do that because yeah. you're not going to get anywhere yeah. um so because that's the thing is the things my my favorite sometimes are the highly moralistic mm-hmm. um very thematic yeah um the yarns mm-hmm. i don't i you know I, I don't mind and I, they're very enjoyable but they're not the ones that i sink my teeth into yeah. and i consider a little night music to be a yarn yeah i um, i do think, and i think he does himself i think he does too and i think it's he, he's he's playing inside the sandbox but still in his own way um like it's still very much in the realm of these kind of book musicals that are, you know, very plot driven and about the characters and about the people, with with a little sprinkling of Sondheim on top. 
Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing, is I think he, and he kind of says this in, in the book, but, um, you know, he, he talks about how Hugh Wheeler wrote this book and it was great, and there's no denying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was like, okay, well, we're going to go with a light book because initially he wanted it to be a lot darker. He wanted it to be he wanted it to be darker and, a lot and more, more conceptual. Um, yeah, and even he says when he first read <coughs> Hugh's book, he expected to find it kind of boring and droll, and it mm-hmm. grew on him. But when he read it, he did find it a little boring. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's because it is it's very very light and it's yeah. very pure. So what he decided to do instead mm-hmm. was then. Um, well, I'm going to look at the score and I'm going to play there. That's where I'm going to throw in my concepts. Um, And that he did. Uh, And we're going to want to talk about the music in a bit. But But that's when he really starts developing that kind of motif and leitmotif as his style, as as a very Sondheim thing. Yep, for sure. Um, So yeah, it's an an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. But I think, I don't know, I feel like I get the vibe that now that he's getting into his stride a bit more, mm-hmm. I mean, this the success of Forum, the success of Company, mm-hmm. and even some of the critical success of Follies. Yeah. Um, you know, he's understanding, hey, I, you know what? I am good at this. Um, <laughs> right, And exactly. I feel like he's, he's now starting to spread his claws, flex his claws. What do you do with your claws? Uh, I don't have claws. You do this visual <laughs> podcast, um, and yeah. I think he's looking because in again I from the book mm-hmm. where he brings up like um, when he's talking about using the three four mm-hmm. um, and basing the whole the whole score the pretty score much yeah. um, around that. Uh, he was talking about how um, Bernstein like attempted to base the whole of the West Side Story score on the Tritone. Yeah. Um, and likes to make this little nod- nudge of, you know, he didn't really do it, yeah. but for the most, you know, he gave it a go. Yeah. And I love that. I love that classic Sondheim classic, sass. Like, um, sideways shade, yeah. But I feel like this, yeah, this is him being like, you know what, Bernstein, you're not the only musician yeah. on the block. Yeah, I mean, do you know what I mean? What's the distinction he makes between like a composed through musical and a sung through musical? And he calls this. Mm. A- well, no, wait, we're, we're definitely going to talk, talk about, about that, that in a, a, a little bit. Get excited. Um, Get, get ready, listeners. Jeez, so much coming up today. Um, yeah, so... Um, I, yeah, I, I, in, in the kind of grand scale of Sondheim, mm-hmm. um, this isn't near the top for me, really? but I, I still really enjoy it. In, yeah, I still just really enjoy in it. In my aging years, it's grown on me more. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'd agree. But yeah, in the same way that I feel like that with a lot of Sondheim, yeah. I think I'm going to go through a, a Sondheim Renaissance period yeah. where, you know, I turn 30 and I listen to Company and I have a midlife crisis. Right, exactly. Um, That, you know, that kind of... Or I turn 60 and I start listening to Follies and I cry over my misspent youth. Yeah. Um, That that kind of vibe. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's treats for, for everyone through the years. Yeah. I mean, the thing I think it, like, we've talked about this with all sorts of Sondheims, how they, you know, they age, <laughs> they age like wine. Um, yeah. But he says that Hal Prince described this as like whipped creamed with knives. And oh my God, the best, the best metaphor ever. What a wonderful description. And that Hal was much more about the whipped cream and he was much more about the knives. And I yeah. do, as you see these revivals come out between the original Broadway and the new revival Broadway, you see more mm-hmm. of the knives come out. And that's exciting yeah. and interesting to me. And it shows how ahead of his time he always was. Yeah. You know? 
Because we love knives nowadays. Exactly. We're all about knives on the stage. Yeah. And, like, um, we've just, you know, spent however many minutes talking about how he's playing by the rules with this musical and sitting in the sandbox, which is very much that kind of fluffy, nice night at the music at musical theater, you know, you know, ooh, what a fun night at the theater. But then the fact that it is filled with this, you know, kind of sharp, cutting, tragic critique about romance and relationships mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is real good. It still is, yeah, he's got his very mature take on love, mm-hmm. relationships, um marriage yeah definitely marriage what it, relationships what it all means. like monogamy mm. or not mm. and uh, you, you do you get all kind of sides of the coin from all uh all ages yeah i think that's, that's something that's quite important to the story mm-hmm. is um you're seeing youth mm-hmm. and you're seeing adulthood and you're seeing old el- elderliness oldness elderliness oldness, elderliness I mean, we. I mean, that's that's Madame Armfeld's line. Like, watch for the yeah. night to smile three times at the youth, the exactly. fools, and and the old, or whatever it is. The old, yeah. Um, and I think that's a really important way because a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of sometimes content is for the older people. Mm-hmm. And when I say older, I mean like thirty-five plus. Right. Sorry. That's people. where you're really. Yeah, I know. Hey, but I'm not that far to, away. I mean, like. Th- musicals we've talked about things like Hamilton things like Newsies some of these things have a very teenage like you know beginning of life kind of audience and yeah I, I you know not that there aren't 14 15 16 17 year olds out there who like a little night music but if right. you do let me tell you as you go older you will learn more things that will make you like it more yeah, and you'll appreciate it a lot more. You'll understand it a lot more. Yeah. Like, like I, I still, you know, peel away the layers of company, and I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, right, right, I get it now. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Because like this has just happened in my life. Yeah. Um, it's in that's that's a fantastic thing. Yeah. Um, but no, I was listening. I was listening to um, be more chill. Have you listened to be more chill yet? Be more chill is pretty fabulous. It was show of the week maybe it's, a year ago. Um, right. It's really interesting. It, I was listening to that and I was just thinking, gosh, this is so cool. Really- <laughs> I was just like, oh, like if I was 16 again, yeah. I would freak for the yeah. show. Um, and it did get me thinking about, gosh, it really depends on what age you it are. It really does. Because I can imagine a 40-year-old listening to me more chill being like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, and I you think know. I would be interested to see, I feel like music, and maybe this comes with age and maybe it's a misconception mm. of based on my own age, but I feel like mm. as we move into the 2010s and soon the 2020s, the mm. average audience of musical theater has been going down and down and down and down, you know, ever since yeah. Disney and their high school musical conspiracy. Um, mm-hmm. And like there, there is a teenage audience out there for musical theater that Wicked brought around that we hadn't really seen before. And so this yeah. musical, A Little Night Music, comes before that and is an exactly. audience of people who have been through maybe one or two relationships or have been married and maybe are no longer married and, like, has mm-hmm. this kind of... It's like the difference between fresh garlic and roasted garlic. One, wow. One has just a little bit more flavor and is a little bit more complex. And you can spread it on toast. And you can spread you it. Know that? <laughs> it's really good. Oh, I recommend that. Yeah, roasted garlic on toast. Jim and Tomix oh. d- cooking happy hour. Yep. Just be us Just making cocktails. have the breath mints on standby. Oh,
season in town which is risen in a whole weekend in the country. Our music how delightfully roll. A weekend in the country as we're losing our control. A weekend in the country so inactive and one has to lie down. A weekend in the country where we're twice as upset as and twice as upset as and twice as upset as and twice as upset as. I don't think we've got enough time to do a track by track. No. Do one of our... We've not done one of them in ages, we though. We'll need to find a good a good show to do a track by track. One of these times we will. When I do think... I, this is the thing that Sondheim does well. There are some songs in this that are, like, more about plot and less about the individual song, which is, comes mm-hmm. with this, like, kind of composed through thing that he's aiming for. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, you know, we would be remiss to not talk about some specific songs in this show. Absolutely, absolutely. But actually, do you know what? Again, test testament to Sunday. Mm. Um, I, you know, if if I was going to direct this show, I'd be like, oh god, the same way I was saying about Sweeney way back when. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't know what to cut. No, I don't think because it's... a lot of it's so delicious, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, no, it's this is such a good rhyme. It's so, like... it's so good. Well, and it's it's all important. They're all individual. Like you. Every single one of the songs in this show would stand up at a cabaret recording, at a cabaret performance. Like, everything yeah. is self-contained enough to be interesting on its own. Mm, totally. And they're just they're just nice little mini-story songs, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. And there's actually, um, I think for a Sondheim show, there's actually not too many. Um, you know, act, songs? Songs. Act 2 has, what, six songs? Act 1 has uh... more than that. Sun won't set. Yeah, I guess it, it depends if you count, anticipation set of the count all of the like quintet stuff. Oh, I guess there's the those kind of like interesting things. Because there's like five reprises towards the yeah, last half hour true. of the show. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, but that's fine. Um, okay, let's have a brief. Let's talk a little bit about the overture because that's interesting. It's so it's really cool. The overture, which is technically called Night Waltz, um, because it's mm-hmm. not an overture. It has these sung parts. It's a sung overture. Mm-hmm. Um. And what they introduced this quintet. How would you describe the quintet? I just—they are. I mean, they are a great chorus, but they all have names, and I—I I don't understand. And there's—I've yet to be able to find. So this is a great shout out to people out there who do know the answer, because I know someone will. Mm. Um, I've yet to be able to find why they're called what they're called. Yeah. Is this a thing from the film? Uh, the um, like the the basis. The, the the what? Sorry. The 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 Bergman film. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is this something from that? Very potentially, I haven't seen it, so it could be that. Yeah. But um, they all have names. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I'd say they're the Greek chorus. They kind of pop in and out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're servants. Yep. Sometimes they're guests. And they just and kinda... sometimes they're just there. But in general, they kind of comment on the action from this exterior perspective in the exact same way a Greek yeah. chorus does. Yeah. This is is this his first use of a Greek chorus? He loves uh, a Greek chorus. I mean, I'm yeah. Yeah, probably. I guess it kind of is. It kind of really, it? It really Did they is. have a great chorus in Forum? I don't think they had a great chorus Roman, in Forum. Which is, this like... is weird, because sometimes on record talking about like not liking a generic chorus, and maybe some of this is tied up in that. Like He doesn't like a yeah. townspeople, or you know, like every, yeah, every exactly. resident and their mother marches out and you know sings about how the Wells Fargo wagon's coming. Yeah, um, that's yeah. not a very Sondheim thing. And so I think he's gone to extensive lengths to say, like, this is not a chorus. 
It's not a chorus. Yeah, totally. They all have names. They're individual characters yeah. all separately commenting on the action as a collective. Yeah, um, yeah he, really li- he really likes his ensembles to all have a a, a state yeah. in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no they've... superfluous characters in, yeah. in a Sunday. But so they start us yeah. off in this night waltz, in this night waltz mm-hmm. where they kind of pre-prize a bunch of songs that we're going to hear later in the show. Yeah. And it sets, I think it sets the tone really nicely. Yeah. It's, it's light. It's light. And it's um, intriguing and kind of sexy. Yeah. Um, well, and it does. And like, I feel it does what an overture should do. Mm-hmm. It does. It gets you excited about the show you're about to see. It also sets you yeah. up that this is, you know, it, it is, man, it is mildly Brechtian in nature um, because it sets you up that this is a performance you're watching, which I think a mm-hmm. lot of the songs in this show do, especially every time they sing La La La, which is a ridiculous thing to say out loud. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a motif every once in a while. A bunch of it comes up in the in the pre-prize, but then later on, like in a couple other songs um, where we're singing non-words in this song, which makes it feel right. a little bit more like a song and less like we are characters who are speaking this thing. And then through right, okay. the machine of the musical, you're viewing it as a song. And so uh-huh. it, it creates a little bit more separation between the performers and the audience to make it this thing you're watching. And not that you don't sympathize with the characters and not you not that you don't become the characters, but I don't think for once, you know, we're seeing the beginnings of Sweeney Todd. We're seeing the beginnings of some of these things, even the frogs, um, mm-hmm. which definitely had a Greek chorus, BT dubs. Um, right. Where <laughs> there's this, this understanding that you are watching a show and this understanding that mm-hmm. like you're observing a story and not that like we're zooming in on someone's living room where like the fourth wall happens to have dissolved and like this is a slice of real life like there's a mm-hmm. a separation there which this overture sets you up for yeah i mean i wouldn't say that that it, that's a huge crucial part of it no i think it's out of all like his all of his repertoire like this is one of your more immersive ones yes. whereas i think sweeney is cuz it's a very moralistic tale yes 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 that is a sit back and look this is more of a hmm yeah, let's get schmaltzy. Yeah, but um, it, but I, that's the thing. But too. what's what is? Mm, is that, I was gonna say what's. Mm-hmm. You go, you go. Okay, I was gonna say what's interesting is actually in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the film starts uh, in a theater. Really. Um, and yeah, it's an audience watching a performance of the Little Night music, which turns into the, the full-on movie characters being in a film. Yeah. Um, which is is interesting. Yeah, yeah. and um, see, that's that's a, that's why I think like. Not in the morality tale way of, way of Sweeney Todd, but in that kind of schmaltzy separation. We're not pretending that this is explicitly a real life thing that has happened. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a nice layer of icing on this that's like we're exaggerating things a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. Just definitely. just kind of like that. It's sweet. Yeah. Um. Oh, I'm like. We can't do a track by track, and I'm not looking. I'm like, oh, but I want to talk about that. They're all really good. We should talk about a weekend in the country. We would be remiss to not. Well, we'll definitely get there, <laughs> but I feel like there's plenty before that. Yeah. Though. What? Um. Well, let's just go for now. Later soon. Now later soon, opening. which kind of exists as like one song through three songs. Yeah, it's it's your introduction to the Agermans. Yes, basically. And what a wonderful um, now later soon. It's like oh. Did I hear I say now here soon? Oh, you now might have said this. now here soon as a different musical. Now later soon <laughs> yes. is w- these are already thematically tied together just by their titles and like the repetition of these kind of 
time-themed words. Yes, exactly. And it kind of... Does it kind of represent... I'm not... I'm I'm analysing on the fly here. Mm -hmm. Um, Does it kind of represent who they are... Well, um, it does maybe a little bit. I think the interesting Frederick's thing kind of spontaneous. So when Frederick <laughs> talks more thoughtful. When Frederick talks about now, he's talking about sex now. Like that's yes, that's exactly. the gist of his song, sex now. When Henrik um, talks later, he's talking about like we're going to go on a walk later. His thing is not explicitly about like we're going to have sex, but because he is this half priest who's kind of like repressed and mm-hmm. we've just had this song called Now that was explicitly about sex. You can't yeah. help but associate his later with some kind of carnal satisfaction. That's interesting, because I've always just thought later is everyone saying later to him. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a, a word put onto him. Yes. Like, I, well, he's been like to Anne, Anne, I'm in love with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe have sex with me, maybe. Right. Um, and she's like, later, yeah. N- wink, wink, because you know. Yeah. That, but I think like um, you wouldn't you wouldn't put the sex bit on if now as much if now hadn't come first. Hmm. Hmm. Which is cool. And then soon is definitely about Shagan. Exactly, and then um, they sing them all together. Yeah. Uh, so basically, for a bit of context, if you don't, don't know, uh, Frederick and Anne are married. Frederick, I think we said this, mm-hmm. is older. Anne's eighteen. Yes. And they've not had sex for yep. 11 months and then um, and that's kind of the crux of the first act yeah. basically and then frederick's <laughs> son henrik who's only a couple years older than his now stepmother um yes and thus life becomes uh, complicated and is in love with that and he's mention. he's i really a lot to henrik i really do i'm like i've been that brooding mm-hmm. uh cello playing yeah priest. child yeah playing the cello just to feel sad <laughs> oh good grief um Great. Uh, okay, a weekend in the country. Let's jump, jump right jump in. Jump right in. I mean, this is, <laughs> yes. it's Sondheim's mini saga in 16 acts. Um, right. It's just, it's my favorite, it's my favorite play. Yeah, it really, it's, <laughs> it's a weekend. It is a brilliant, brilliant piece of musical theater writing. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you can find 16 different thesi on it um, because it is so fantastic. But I do think what makes it really interesting to me is this is the first time Sondheim has done this. This is the first time, if you look at most of his corpus before this, almost all Mm. of his songs are reflective to a certain extent. They're Mm. talking about action that has happened or maybe action that's about to happen, like Tonight in West Side Story, um, which might, Tonight in West Side Story might be the closest we've gotten to a weekend in the country before a weekend in the country. Um, Yeah, but in many, like, that wasn't, oh, that wasn't fully him. Right. And... You know that they could be inspiration for right. Um, I would say one of the bigger ones is in um, anyone can whistle. Okay, I feel like there's that's because again, because it's such a big sweeping story, mm-hmm. like a big sweeping linear story. Um, you do get more of that progression, like um, uh, what's uh, what's the doctor's song? Uh, the the one with the cookies. What's that called? Hang on, yeah, hang on. And it's called. It is called. It's very long. Simple. It's called simple. Simple. Yes. Um, simple. Uh, yeah. The, it's it's got it's it's one of those. It's got lots in it, and there's lots happening. Do you know yes. what I mean? And it yes, progresses. Yes, yes. It progresses that part of the story, mm-hmm. whereas kind of weekend in the country shuts an act. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
it, yeah, it yeah. ties everything up in a nice little bow, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah. great. I mean, like, uh, I think I think with a weekend <clears throat> in the country, Stephen Sondheim has redefined what an act one closer is. I mean, maybe even invented the act one closer. Gosh, that's a sweeping statement, and I it really is. I'd have to think. That. Like, I think tonight gets close in West Side Story. I think there are other examples. The, of the it. quintet, the quintet, um, mm-hmm. where it's like, here's all yeah, the characters yeah, yeah. in a summer, or like, um, but even in like the quintet, everyone's singing about their own individual thing, which is uh-huh. vaguely tied together by the fact that it's going to happen tonight. Um, yeah. Whereas in a weekend in the country. Everyone is singing about their own individual thing and the same thing. And Mm. every single character is involved and everyone Mm. has development of their conflict. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you you cannot listen to A Weekend in the Country and then leave during intermission. Like Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like, because I I call it, and I've labeled this, I'm trademarking this, uh public, um... The, I call it Stephen Sondheim's Act Two Switcheroo, <laughs> right? Yeah. So and he does it. He does it a fair few times. Yeah. Um, where he'll finish the Act One, boom, and Act Two set up, and it's a whole new world. It's a whole. It's almost a whole new show. Yeah. I think seeing most in Into the Woods. Yeah, I would um, see. I would challenge that. But you say definitely like, see it here. Where Weekend of the Country is his most successful Act One closer. I think Ever Actor in Into the Woods is his biggest failing as an Act One closer. Um, oh, interesting. Because we're, we're not talking about Into the Woods. We're not, we can't talk we're, not the we're not talking about Into the Woods. But then you even think about things like um, a little priest at the end of Sweeney Todd. Yeah, like exactly. Sondheim's really good at like what's going to happen next. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Here's everything that has happened, and it's led us up to like this particular moment. And now I have like one or two or three questions that I really want answered in Act Two. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, get ready for the act two switcheroo. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Trademark. Um, Thank you. Um, I worked really hard on it. I think Sondheim would like it because it's uh, a rhyme. It's a good rhyme. Um, it's true, right? <laughs> okay. What's your favorite part of Weekend in the Country? Oh, Give me some of your highlights. It's all so good. I'm looking lyrical. I'm looking musical. I don't mind, this is, Tommy. This is, you know, this is why I'm pissed at Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, is because you can do things. This is the reason, is it? This is the reason, because words exist like this in order. You can put words Mm. in order like this, where they rhyme in 16 million different ways so that you don't even notice. I mean, I wrote right Mm -hmm. in here because it was a new internal rhyme that I had never noticed, and I've listened to this musical a million times, but Mm -hmm. hopelessly shattered by Saturday night. Mm -hmm. The meter and the rhyme of that, the fact that shattered... And Saturday night mm-hmm. rhyme at the beginning of the word in the middle of a line and yep. fall it's a nice little like they mm-hmm. f- fall across in a really effortless way, but it lets you hear it more acutely because it's a rhyme, so it set you up for that. And this whole mm-hmm. this whole song's filled with it. And the fact that people get away with lazier rhymes mm-hmm. pisses me off to no end. Just to stick up for Android Webber, he doesn't write, really write lyrics, but well, um, it's you know his shows just don't have good lyrics, <laughs> and I blame him for it because his okay, name appears okay. above the marquee. That's okay. <laughs> um, okay, my I I love the sexiness and the sassiness. Yes, classic. Uh huh. Um, just uh, absolute favorite. Um, uh, where is it? Uh, a weekend with that woman in the country in the flesh in the flesh just yep. d- look at that double meaning oh it's great the word flesh i just love the like word flesh different times 
when, and that rhymes with fresh. Sorry, I didn't say that. What's with what's fresh. so great about it is like they've um they've set you up for this kind of like interrupted wordplay with you must meet my wife earlier on. Yes, um, exactly. Which is just two people, but doing the same sort of thing, like having these different conversations with each other that rhyme and interface in interesting, unexpected ways. Uh-huh. And because he's primed you with this simpler example of I must meet of you must meet my wife. Yep. Now we're capable and ready for this grand saga of 16 different characters singing uh-huh. about the same thing in so many different ways. Yeah, totally. Um, I also really, really like um, just a weekend in the country, smelling jasmine, watching little things grow. <laughs> you sassy women, are, you sassy women talking about a penis, talking about a penis. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It's all, I mean, um, the th- I you know what I think my favorite part of this song is? Yeah. Right score one for you. Aha. 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 And it's like yeah, it's exactly. not even it's not even in the like there's no way to convey what is being communicated that by that except by listening to it. Yeah, like, exactly. Only in the final product does that accurately convey the multitude of different shades that this little yeah. interaction between Charlotte and Carl Magnus. Yeah. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about ca- um, specific cast recordings in a bit, but I have to give massive uh, tip of the hat um, to Patricia Elliott on the OBC. Mm-hmm. She makes it for me. Yes. Um, that when she comes in with her really just like no, you don't understand, and it's just like. Just really this kind of straight, dry, mm-hmm. feels really posh. Um, and then when she comes in with Carl Magnus, you just feel like they're these two like grand, pompous yeah. little people. And you're just like, oh, darling, yeah. guess what's happening? Oh, we found this little intriguing item. Um, oh, here's some sauce, you know, some saucy news that she's like trying to like G up yeah. Carl yeah. Um, to be like, you know, let's have some repartee. And he's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and gonna get some revenge. Go and kill him. And she's like, well, I'm going to get revenge on you, yeah, you bastard. Exactly. Um, but just their their relationship and that tiny little segment yeah. is fantastic. And then um, when she's like, <laughs> a weekend in the country, I'm delighted. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, what just, have I done? I just love it. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the whole thing is like a tiny little 10-minute musical <sighs> in just one song. Which yeah, completely. Which has become, I feel like that is one of the things I associate so strongly with, like the Stephen Sondheim sound, are these mm-hmm. like sixteen people songs, um, and he seems to love to do them. And this is the first. Mm-hmm. This is the very first chance he got to do this. Yeah, yeah. There's so, it just like I, you know, at one point in my life, I'll perform this. Mm-hmm. It may have been the reason why I formed a choir recently. <laughs> um, just so I can perform it. Just love it. Yeah. It's, and it's, you know, it's a director's dream. There's so much fun acting opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some great choreographical yep. times because it's all in waltz. Yeah. So and, and it's all you like can do whatever the hell you want. It's all like danceography. It's all just like, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You just yes. you imagine some good old Gilbert and Sullivan style bobbing. It's mm-hmm. stunning. Mm-hmm. So I do um, the. This is my surprise for you, Jimmy. Um, Tell me your surprise. It's related to a weekend in the country. Have you seen uh-huh. the um, uh, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS mm-hmm. version of a weekend in the country? The gay one. The gay one. Uh huh. You've watched it. 
Uh-huh. It's fabulous. It'll be in the show notes. It takes place in a yep. gay gym where everyone gets invited to a weekend in the country. Kelsey Massey, Stratton and Stone. Now, I have a question for you, Jimmy. Have you watched it recently? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, it's worth watching recently. So, name. there's a bunch of famous stars in it. Can you name who you remember being in it? I just remember Kelsey Massey. Okay. Do you know who else is in it? Who else is in it? Friend of the show, Mo Brady. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, really? Really? <laughs> that's amazing it's really great i'll put the show i'll put it in the show who is he playing uh he's um oh god it's so there's so what was he wearing i can probably remember uh, uh, mostly just a towel um so we'll put it in the show oh he's charlotte mostly just to embarrass mo um he's charlotte it's fabulous of course he's charlotte yes um that's amazing (laughs) i was rewatching it again today and my jaw hit the floor that's so funny isn't that great yeah, I, I yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of the performance, but I love it now. Right? No, it's wonderful. Right? It'll be it'll be in the show notes, and you know, Mo, if you're listening, sorry. Uh huh. <laughs> that Broadway backwards concert was so damn weird. It made me feel really. Oh, I love the Broadway backwards. That one and um, Hernando's Hideaway. Yeah, the Hernando's Hideaway is odd. Oh, Tony. I love them so much because, like, that's uh, I think it's so funny. Uh-huh. Mostly because um, you need to like understand 16 million different things to find it even remotely entertaining. <laughs> and I right, feel like exactly. I understand it's, all those things. And so it, I know. it makes me feel special. Uh-huh. But it's just, I just find it an, an odd thing. But then, <laughs> you know, I completely understand. And in 2034, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I will be doing a version of Rose's Turn. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt from Glee. You heard it here it. first, folks. What? Kurt from Glee did uh, Kurt's turn. It's already happened. Oh, uh, uh, Tommy, th- that does not matter. It's 2034. <laughs> I've got my time. Years. Dear Frederick, I'm just longing to meet her sometime. She sparkles. How pleasant. She twinkles. How nice. Her youth is a sort of present. Whatever the prize. The incandescent what? The um, light of my life. You must meet my wife. Yes, I must. I really must. Now she flutters. How charming. She twitters. My word. She floats. Isn't that alarming? What is she? A bird? She makes me feel I'm what? A very old man. Yes. No, no. But I must meet your Gertrude. My Anne. Sorry, Anne. She loves my voice, my walk, my mustache. The cigar, in fact. Okay, let's move into Act 2. Yes. What are some of your highlights <sighs> in Act 2? Fewer. I love all the songs, uh-huh. but I think the the meatier songs are in Act 1. No, you know, I lied. I like all the songs in Act 2. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. I like all the songs. Okay, you're two. like, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, um, well, let's just, let's just go to Send in the Clowns. We probably should. This is, this is Stephen Sondheim's most popular song. Uh-huh. Now this is this is a hard one for me to grasp, yeah. right? Because we're because we're in the world, right? Because right? we're living in that world. I didn't realize that it was as popular as it is, and I can't get a handle yeah. on how popular it I is. I mean, to, to to his credit, neither can Stephen Sondheim. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is what he writes in Finishing the Hat. But there was a recording in 1975 by a pop artist I had never heard about, but apparently a bunch of people knew about. Um, uh-huh. whose name is Judy Collins. 
Um, Judy Collins cool. recorded a version of Send in the Clowns in 1975, yeah. um, which won the Grammy for Best Song of the Year in 1976. Yeah. Great. Um, and this is uh, the last time a song from a musical has won Best Song of the Year. Like, last year it was Hello. Like, these are, it was a big, big deal. And so wow. then it shot That's up the really charts. Frank Sinatra then subsequently performed it. Um, oh, Frank no. Sinatra did it again. He, Mike the Night I guess he performed well. it previously. Um, right. But then a million other people have performed it. Madonna, uh-huh. Barbara Streisand, Madonna? who asked for some rewrites. Like, the, it became a pop song. It became a right proper pop song. My big question is, mm-hmm. does Liza Minnelli have a Pet Shop Boys dance remix to it in which she dances? <laughs> I ju- My question is, does Ethel Merman have a disco remix of it? Right. These are the things we need to know. <laughs> and, um, and like to complicate the whole thing, maybe not, com- but like what makes it so interesting is like, yes, it's a great song, but it wasn't one of Sondheim's like, this is expressing my arts song like he wrote it for mm-hmm. glennis john's voice like he wrote yeah exactly he wrote yeah, it, it wasn't like this is the crux of the show this is the this is the song that you know the show is about yeah um but in many ways it's kind of turned into that yeah would you agree um i think it's i think it's a really interesting song so I'd, uh, it was originally written um not exactly in its carnation but um for frederick mm-hmm. to sing right um and it was a case of yeah you know what, Desiree's only had a couple of bits and bobs in the first act. Might as well give her not a really got much here, so let's, yeah. let's give her something. Um, and so they gave her Send in the Clowns. Yeah. And I wonder if he even realised, like, while he was writing it, like, hang on, actually, do you know what? I've really captured something yeah. here. I've done something kind of magical. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what um, the rest of the show looked like when this moment was to be Frederick's moment. Because, yeah. like, like, having Send in the Clowns near the middle to the end of Act 2 makes this uh-huh. Desiree's show. Yeah, I think it's just because it's, in terms of all of the characters, yeah. right? If you take a big cross-section of all the characters, mm-hmm. um, you never really get to see deep into their hearts. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit in Everyday A Little Death, mm-hmm. but it's very metaphorical. Yeah. Um, whereas this is just kind of really raw and bare and vulnerable mm-hmm. and kind of one of the only moments like that in in the whole show, and I think that's why it really um, it it sticks out. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It, it really really sticks yeah. out. Um, it it's also it is sending the clowns are sometimes knives covered in whipped cream. Like this is this is where you see it. Like it, it yeah. almost even explicitly in the lyrics and. I think it's a stretch to say explicitly in the lyrics in the lyrics because scholars are still arguing about what we mean by send in the clowns. Um, really? I, no one can quite agree, even though Sondheim has said it in the thing. In I was going to say, like he's, he's literally been like, it's fools. Right. But it, but it, it isn't like send in the fools explicitly. It's like bring in the jokes, but then even what does she mean in context? And she has this like actress backing. So she doesn't mean like, hey, right now, Frederick, I want you to go hire some clowns and have them walk into our bedroom. Right, no, obviously, obviously. she means like, this is too tragic for me and not the life I lead. I wish there were jokes in this moment because this is too... This can't be real, so it must be a joke. Um, 
uh-huh. like they're, they're and I think but I think also looking at herself I see it as a as a kind of mirror back on herself mm-hmm. to be like you know obviously the line don't bother they're here right um is very much uh I am an I'm a fool like right. I've done it gone and done it yeah um and that is almost that sense of like here let's go full analytical on doing it um because she's kind of thrown open this vulnerable door to be like, mm-hmm. so do you want to, do you want me to rescue you? Yeah. And he's like, nah, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, oh, do I feel like a clown? And a clown is someone who, you know, puts on a face mm-hmm. um, to 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 show this deep emotion through. It's it's a vehicle. Right. Um, you know, everyone has their own clown. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, if you're looking into, you know, De- acting definition of clown um you know everyone does which is this uh, right. uh kind of archetype of emotion mm-hmm. um and so i you know if you are looking at it from a she's an actor yeah it could almost be that like here's my clown yeah and it's it's very that I'm presenting to you now it's very payachi it's very um like the crying clown like mm-hmm. we have this exterior that is the hilarity but deep down inside i am s- such this tragic figure and no one can tell exactly um exactly which i exactly which, yeah much more articulately put that's that's why it's a popular pop song because it has this deep somewhat ambiguous you know multi-toned mm-hmm. meaning and so when yeah. in the same way when frank sinatra sings mac the knife when frank sinatra sings send in the clowns he's saying a bunch of different things all at once in a different way uh-huh. than is intended in the original musical yeah, um, well, I think I think more successfully. So I think more successfully so too. Then then Mac the Knife, yes. a song about a serial killer. Yeah, um, but we've talked about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I really love. It. Guess again. Guess where I first heard. Guess where my first you know drum roll please. Mm, number one answer on the board. It's the Simpsons. It is. Of course <laughs> it is. It's where you learn everything. I've literally learned everything. From the Simpsons. Have you seen um, uh, Stephen Sondheim and Andrew Lloyd Webber's tribute to Cameron McIntyre? I have to the so that was in the clowns. That was when, um, yeah, he missed the producer. That I've t- we've talked about that we've before. Talked about surely, before. We must I'm sure, I think that was my in a show notes we've done previously. Yeah, like that was my introduction to. Oh, this is what musical theater is. Mm-hmm. Great, um, and that was when I linked it because Judy Dench does this just seminal performance mm-hmm. of sending the clowns yeah. in that yeah. um evening um and that was like i know that song that's in the simpsons that's interesting what's that a little night music <laughs> listen to it hate it because i'm like right because 12 yeah, and, and i'm like, like i don't understand this. yeah right and so never listen to it again until later yeah. when i'm older um but yeah i don't know I, it's weird because i think this is uh, i would say Sondi's second, maybe third, uh, like song for the catalog. Okay. Um. Oh, we've had company. Maybe like fourth song yeah. in the catalog. What are, tell, because where, people ask, what are the ones that come? What are the other three? So I would say being alive. Okay. Um. Then embody's eyes. Okay. Then losing my mind. Okay. And then sending the clowns, and I feel like we're just you know he's amping up all of these. Uh. I don't know what what the, just like these are like the the cornerstones. Yeah, the Sondheim cornerstones, in my opinion. This is like the Sondheim is a very talented musical theater songwriter. Yeah. He has created these songs. Yeah. Well, and um, the fact that like 
this song was basically an afterthought. Um, and he still mm-hmm. calls it like he still can't recognize its success. And, you know, I know. he kind of farted it out. And it's beautiful. It's stunning. Yeah. But it's also an accident. I've, I feel like that follows uh, artists around wherever they go. Yeah. Um, to pull a random uh, reference out of nowhere, um, in Preludes, when Dave Malloy's, mm-hmm. um, Rachmaninoff talks about uh, the Prelude, mm-hmm. um, Prelude in C-sharp minor, major, one of them, um, which was his biggest like breakout hit that he just wrote in a practice room when he was 19. Yeah. And he doesn't even really care or remember it. It just happened. It just happened. Because he wanted to write something that was loud. Yeah. Um, and here's this thing that everyone's like, oh, he wrote this. And he's like, but I don't know how, ra- you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know how, I don't know I how the that. art happened. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. Like, we're, it, we kind of talked about it as well. And in, in, um, with Mac the Knife, mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you have to run with that? Because if you're like, I don't want you to pay attention to that right. because that isn't, that isn't the thing. That's not, that's not the <laughs> that's one not I wanted you thing. to focus on. You know, this is right. not, this is not a play. This is not a musical that leads up to the penultimate song, Sending the Clowns. Right. You know, it's really telling that after Sending the Clowns happens, um, The Miller's Son. The Miller's Son. Which I think right, which is in, so much more indicative of some and of the I, lines. I am so sure that Sondi thought that too. Yeah. I can imagine him being like, here's Petra sneaking out of the background. Because yep. that's such a, that's a good uh, kind of technique of being like, you know, you've seen her all the way through. That Chekhov's gun idea. Exactly. Like, you've seen her all the way through. Yeah. Here's Petra's moment. Yeah. And where she talks, where she kind of sums up all she of sums the themes up, And it's in like, one. You're, who are you going to marry? Who are you going to love? How are you going to do this? Here's a million different ways you can do this. And here's what's going to happen if you do it. And is the whole show in one. But uh-huh. but that's not and the this, song Barbara Streisand recorded. <laughs> Right, and this technically beautiful, yep. masterful song. Yep. Um, and yet you're still being like, oh, God, bring Glennis Johns back on the right. stage. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and I do, I mean, that is that is the curse of the curse of being Stephen Sondheim, which is the new horror movie I'm writing. Um, right, excellent. Is that I'm excited you, for that. He, he values the, the complex and multi-layered. Um, uh-huh. And he, you know, it's it's this chapter he talks about it in. Uh, it's this section in finishing the hat as like a footnote. And I couldn't. And whenever I'm looking for it, I can never find it. But now that it's on the podcast, the internet can remind me about it. Where Sondheim yep. extols his distaste with musical theater critics. Um, yes, uh huh. It's in the it's in the it's in the introduction. It's like a, it's fantastic. It's such a great paragraph. It's wonderful. But his his thesis is musical theater today is one of the only art forms that are reviewed by Luddites effectively, by people who are yeah, uneducated. is his exactly. choice of words. Um, like, yeah. every other art form are is, is reviewed by people who have some smattering of knowledge or practice in the art form. Musical yeah. theater is not reviewed by musical theater authors. And so, yeah. and like, people don't value a knowledge and understanding of music when they extol their opinion about musical theater, um, which bothers exactly. me and bothers Stephen Sondheim. And that's the problem with being Stephen Sondheim. And that's the dichotomy between Sending the Clowns and the Miller's Son. Sending the Clowns yeah. is a beautiful, lovely, ambiguous, simple song. You don't need to understand any of the metaphor or have even the beginning of the, con- of the concept of the metaphor in Sending the Clowns to still leave it thinking, wow, that was pretty. 
wow, that yeah. was moving. Wow, that made me yeah. cry. And I don't know why. Whereas the mm. Miller son, you know, is complex and interesting and filled with all sorts of things, but it, it flies by like, uh, you know, like a, a stop sign when you're speeding. Um, yeah, totally. And, and, Absolutely. And you don't have time to embrace it and you don't have time to think about it. And that's, yeah. you know, the curse of Stephen Sondheim. The curse is... <laughs> um, one of the things I think though about Sound in the Clouds uh-huh. that does get me in, in, um, about adaptations in the same way that people ignore the fact that Magna Knife is about a serial killer mm-hmm. um, out of context it's a weird song and I can't yeah. understand why I would listen to it yeah. um, so it makes sense that he wrote the verse for the Barbara Streisand mm-hmm. version um, which kind of fills in the um, Frederick comment like, yes Right, where he's like, I shouldn't have done this. Um, it was foolish of me. I'm sorry. Goodbye. And there she is by herself being like, isn't it rich? Mm-hmm. And, and you get that you get the whole song. Um, and it is it's such a weird, just musical theater songs out of context. They are an odd little, yep. Yep. you know, a, an odd little thing. Yeah. Um, and yet this is huge yeah. and is taken out of context all the time. Yeah. Um, it all- and I must say, because I, you know, I see it a lot in auditions. Mm-hmm. Um where people are singing it and you know the age of people that are auditioning around my in like uni time right i'm like don't just don't really just don't really pick sin in the no, clowns you gotta wait like it's 20 a, years at least i know <laughs> it's like it's a very good song and i'm sure you can do a really nice right. performance yeah. but your performance will probably be contrived yeah. because you're not looking back on anything yeah. it's it's you're, that you're looking at it's that elaine stritch bit about i'm still here where she's like, yes. you know, I'm. I've heard that. Yeah, you know, I've been wanting to sing. I'm still here for a long time, and you know, I really don't think like I'm hearing young people are singing the song. People in their forties are singing the song. People in their thirties are singing the song. People in their twenties are singing. I'm still here. Like right. you're twenty. Where have you been? Yeah, and I exactly. really don't think anyone under the age of sixty should be singing. I'm still here. Right. But damn it all. I'm not going to wait another eight years to sing this song. And then everyone laughs and she goes, what are you laughing Here about? she is, boy. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, um, but is it, you know, did Elaine Stritch ever do a version of Rose's Turn? Uh, that's a great question. I like Internet folks scour. I wonder, is it in her one woman show? <laughs> I don't think so. I've never seen it. Have, have you never seen her one woman show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've not oh, seen it all yeah. the way through, though. I've just seen through YouTube clips. Oh, you got to watch the whole thing. It's on Netflix. Um, she has done it, right. so YouTube tells me. It's, well, it's on your Netflix. It's definitely not on ours. Uh, UK Netflix does not appreciate the stretch, man. Yeah. Oh, you got to look it up. Um, it's, uh, I mean, only on a day when you want to cry. Um, okay. But it's beautiful. Every day. Yeah. Cello. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Elaine Stritch, and this isn't in our show notes, but I do want to talk about Madame Armfelt as a role and a person. Um, yeah, totes, man. Because it's one, it's usually gets top billing in this show, and it's not a big role. Um, I know, I know. Which is so, it's such, it's interesting to me. And I think the thing that makes it interesting is that Madame Armfeld's role serves a lot of the same purpose as the Greek chorus. Yeah. Everything she does is kind of talking about the action. But where the Greek chorus yeah. has permission to talk about the action directly and explicitly... Her discussion of it 
is through metaphor and sideways connection. Like her yeah, um, totally. liaisons is uh-huh. is sung while, you know, what's her what's her face? Like while they're having sex in the other room, basically. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is exactly. which is how I want all of my sexual twists to be. I hope Angela Lansbury is always singing Angela Lansbury's in there the other room <laughs> sitting in a little wheelchair. While I am having sex. Uh <laughs> That's how I do it. It yeah. works quite well. Yeah. It's she's hard to come by, uh-huh. which is why I've not had sex in such a long time. <laughs> I'm not going to put this in a podcast. Um, good. You should that was put a, a little bit you. in because it's really funny. Um, yeah, sure. Um, but it, it is, you know, this is a role that gets top billing when it's 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 a bit role. It's a character role. Um, uh-huh. d- do you think Sondheim? Do you think they knew? I don't know. This is this is why it's fascinating to me. Do you think they knew what? Well, that it was like it's not like a star vehicle. It's like a it's like a, it's like a vintage star vehicle. It's like a yeah. model well, T think... of a star vehicle. In in terms of what she what she kind of acts as in the book, like you say, she is a Greek chorus, but the Greek chorus are kind of you know they talk a lot about the nighttime mm-hmm. and the sunsets yeah. and. The life that they lead, whereas um, Madame Arnfeld kind of focuses on the characters yeah. a lot more, and she does she represents something very different to everyone else because she represents the the old. Yeah. She is the one who's been through it all, um, and she has decided to focus on wealth mm-hmm. and material possessions mm-hmm. as opposed to emotional ones. Yeah, um, and what I love is it's 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 not like um, oh she's chosen this way and therefore. She has been damned to a horrible life. No, she she's had a fantastic life. She's had life. a fantastic life, um, and she's having a fantastic a lo- retirement too. I really appreciate that because I feel like you know, especially in musical theater, mm-hmm. if you don't choose the way of love, you will be doomed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And she, so I love that here is this matriarchal figure, right? Being like, "No, I was fine with my life, thanks." Yeah. Uh, and it all was good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? does, I guess I think the thing I struggle with is that is she. Is she more than just character exposition for Desiree? Yeah, I think so. Because like I say, she represents that different thing. And, uh, you know, she her relationship with Frederica as well, mm-hmm. I think they kind of go hand in hand. Her being the youngest character, mm-hmm. obviously Madame Armfelt being the oldest character, right. um, and them having these little conversations about life yeah. and what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, a, I think is really beautiful. Because mm-hmm. again, you don't really get many grandmother granddaughter relationships in musical theater that's true. um but at the same time you know she rep- she's like it's, it's like frederica here's a path for you you can go the way of your mother mm-hmm. or you can go the way of me it's up to you which you pick and yeah. she kind of questions that at the end when she's like what's it all for um yeah. and it's yeah what do you get that's true Dun. what do you get yeah, oh no, it's different music. Someone to hold you, know, you to the club that she brings Do you know what I, I do want to see? <laughs> Here, this is this is the ten minute play or musical I do want to see. I want to see Madame Armfeld and Frederica get coffee with Officer Lockstock and Little Sally from here in town. That's a weird thing. That you I absolutely. This is. I mean, more creative people than me make it happen. <laughs> okay. I I might not be there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Lockstock isn't that old, is he? No, but they share the same kind. Like, I, th- there is that something about you're in commentary. town. 
parodying the musical theater form in that yeah. older, knowledgeable figure talking to the unknowing, youthful figure that comes uh, out of an honest place in A Little Night Music between yeah. Madame Armfeld and Frederica. Yeah, it's true. They are very, it's a very similar relationship, isn't like, it? Like, surprisingly similar for how different the characters are. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of that in Urine Time. We're not talking about Urine Time. Yeah, another day. Um, but there is a lot of that in Urine Time. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, you've picked it from there. I wonder if that's exactly where this has come from. I mean, it, Because I can't think of another relationship. No, but there's something... I theater. bet you there are more... Um, and it, it feels very musical theater of like setting yourself up with an, an all-knowing elder character and a completely unknowing youthful character who can ask the questions to the elder character so we can get uh. the thoughts out loud for the audience. I shall marry the miller's son Pin my hat on a property Friday nights for a bit of fun We'll go dancing Meanwhile It's a wink and a wiggle and a giggle in the grass and I'll trip the light fandango A pinch and a diddle in the middle of a passes and the punch to the paunch and the pouch and the pension it's a very short road to the ten thousand lunch and the belch and the grouch and the sigh in the meanwhile there are mouths to be kissed before mouths to be fed and a lot in between in the meanwhile and the girl ought to celebrate what passes by okay what uh We've talked about all the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, just briefly, mm-hmm. I just want to talk about cast recordings. Yeah. Okay. Just want to talk about Squarespace. Um, Squarespace. Is a... <laughs> um, Not yet, but call us Squarespace, please. Um, so here we have what I would say is the perfect example uh-huh. of a revival cast recording in everything it should yes. be. The I do you know I don't listen to the OBC anymore. Right. This. I've listened to it maybe twice. I love the performances. I love Lynn Carey. You. I love Glynis Johns. I love uh-huh. all of their performances throughout it. But after hearing the revival cast recording, it spoiled me. It tells you so much more about the story. I know. It's like the 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 OBC has just become okay. I'll listen to this one, and I'll yep. listen to this one, and I'll listen to this one, and that's, and it. that's it. Yeah, that's what it's turned into for me. Because I I really love Weekend in the Country, just because there's some really fun little acting moments. Yes, and I think in it. I think they um, do Weekend in the Country better on the OBC mm-hmm. than they do it in the revival. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But here, I mean, here we really do have a fantastic. Well, first of all, the orchestrations have been updated. Yep. Um, I don't know Sandy's involvement. He would have had involvement. I'm sure he was in the um, studio. Yeah. Um, but even just because the um, the overture is very, it starts very different. It's almost kind of haunting yeah. in a little way, which is weird. And then it jumps into the la 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 right. la la. Um, and that you know and love. Um, but really, really, from the outset, you're like, oh, this is this is better. Yeah. Hang on. Oh, it's so much <laughs> you know I mean? And then you're like, oh, I'll listen not to, this. to mention all the interstitial scenes that they recorded exactly. and put in, which is just wonderful. So this and is, really what yeah. I do think, my suspicion is, 
Part of this was just because it's Angela Lansbury, and you don't get a lot of Madame Armfeld in the songs on mm-hmm. their own. But if you start mm-hmm. including all these scenes, you have an excuse to record Angela Lansbury performing them. Yeah. And so that gives you a reason. That's, I think, the motivation behind some of it. Yeah, I do wonder, because I think it's it's definitely a trend that we're starting to see a little bit more yeah. of. But I would like to see every single cast recording from here on in yeah. include parts of their book yeah. in their cast recording. Because the moments you create, like, I actually kind of crave them a lot. Yeah. Because um, I'm just thinking of, like, um, the Assassins mm-hmm. revival. With all the monologues In inverted stuff. commas revival. Had, yeah, yeah the monologues. It had the um, Texas Book Depository scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a lot of the parts, you know, before yeah. the songs. And it works because you understand yeah. what the show is. Well, and, Do you know what I mean? And I wonder, I w- this has been on my mind for a couple weeks now. But I wonder mm-hmm. if this is a growing trend or a, a change in trend of the purpose of cast recordings that is mm-hmm. a result of the changing place of musical theater in our society. Bear with mm-hmm. me. Um, where musical theater used to be the genesis of pop songs, used to be where, like, this is where the songs you hear on the radio came from. And so, you know, think Cole Porter time and think, like, these sort mm-hmm. of things where you write the songs and they're in the context, but then they have a life outside of this as songs, as mm-hmm. individual bite-sized pieces of art. And that, with the, you know, the prevalence of, a music industry and popular music separating from this musical theater, music hall kind of world where like you have a pop song that's not associated to a piece of musical theater, which nowadays, of course, but in the past would be unheard of. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if cast albums are now catching up where it used to be like, here's a showcase of all the pop songs you want to listen to from this piece of musical theater, where now the cast album is a rep is a representation of this full piece of art, which has songs yeah. and underscoring and scenes and music and more yeah. pieces than just the discrete pieces of song that we used to have. Uh-huh. I just, yeah, I think it's a great point. And I think it's, shows are now understanding that they're shows and they're not worrying about the fact that it's theatre. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, oh God, we're going to put people off because there's dialogue in this. Yeah. And if you are, then, well, stuff them. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, it's, it's, it is it's theatre, and you are doing acting through song. Yeah, um, and, like, and we, I think it starts with Wicked, but it's it's shown us that you can, you can still do a cast album including all these things and keep the secrets of your show to get people right. to come see it. Like, they still do that with... Um, a little night music. Like, there's things that happen that they don't quite divulge on the cast Absolutely. album. Absolutely. There's a whole... I mean, towards the end, yeah. like, you know, actor is not that short. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does happen an awful lot. And that's absolutely fine. But it give, you can listen to that revival cast recording mm. and you have your own story. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. And you can understand it to a great extent. Well, and it- it's not just... I'm listening to songs, I need to go on Wikipedia to look at this synopsis right. and scroll through this and understand what the hell's yeah. going on. Um, and it, it enhances the song. Like, mm-hmm. there's... This is a... Because my life has existed as musical theater first, pop music second, I wonder yeah. this sometimes. Like, people listen to pop music because it's catchy. 
people listen to Rihanna and Adele and Beyonce and whoever because it's catchy. And more and more, I think, we start listening to things, especially to point out Beyonce in recent years, because there's a story and underpinnings and reference and, like, you know, there's a show there. There's a plot there and things like that. Uh, it's really funny hearing you talk about pop music. Right, I know. Isn't this fun? Yeah, and you hear me grasping at the straws <laughs> so I have. You just said Beyonce. Right? I think it's the first but time like, I've ever heard you say Beyonce. So then you I think mean. of like pop music in the 90s, like Britney Spears and the Spice Girls and like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and these sort mm. of things. And like there might be a tiny little bit of a story going on here, maybe, but we're talking catchy tunes and sexy words. Like mm. that's that's the hook of these things. That's what makes them radio playable. Musical theater, these songs are about the story in a greater context and, like, how we got to this point where we can no longer talk so we have to sing. Mm -hmm. And so having all the stuff that gets you to that point, more of the scenes, more of the talking, really enhances the song. You know, it's like... I, I, you know, we're we're seeing so many changing art forms nowadays, but because we're on a pop music tangent right now, but like how many music videos nowadays start with a 30 second to two minute long like scene, like set up like play that's going to get you into the music video. Yeah. And well, I mean, just to take take Beyonce as a, as a great example. Um, <laughs> we were talking about this I know, is this great is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but if you take like she's, you know, her past two albums have been concept albums. Yeah. Um. And not only concept albums, albums, visual concept albums, yeah. um, which almost have a through narrative. Yep. You know what I mean? Her stage shows are becoming stage shows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's really, the, the as, as much as classic rock started as on a convergence in the mm-hmm. like se- late 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. And we kind of took a different, you know, musical theatre and pop music started to take this big separation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, pop music it began to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it now looks like we're kind of eclipsing back yeah. on ourselves. It's... Where, you know, these Lady Gaga, yeah. Beyonce, Katy Perry, um, and even to some extent, like, um, Nicki Minaj and a lot of uh, hip-hop artists yeah. are doing it as well now, where it's... There's a lot of narrative yeah. sprung into like, it. I, and obviously, we we can talk about Hamilton. Right. Again, as like, a, here's someone where the tendrils are starting to reach back round. Yeah, and we're becoming to... a big circle again. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting to see where that will go. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder, especially, as you mentioned, with the prevalence of Hamilton nowadays, not that we've just brought, like, the idea of narrative song telling, but also the hip hop and the rap, like the genre back into it as well. Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah. where that will go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it is interesting to hold up. It's interesting to hold up something like Lemonade and a little night music right next to each other. And I think there are more similarities than there are differences in a lot of ways between the structure and the storytelling. And, you know, certainly not in the content. Like, don't get me started. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, if you can, if you bring up Lemonade and you bring up Dangerously in Love. Yeah. And you pull them both together and you say, which one's more like a little night music? Obviously, you're going to pick Lemonade. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, there's you know, there's a theme in Lemonade. There's, exactly. there's many themes in Lemonade yeah. um, that they're talking about, and uh, you, you know, it's it's using song to deliver a theme. Yeah. It's it's theater yeah. in many ways. All um, all to say that like as as contextualized by the A Little Night Music Revival cast recording, 
audiences today want some kind of story with their musical art. And I, I, yeah. I do think this points to a bigger, like, smearing of art form. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't, we, and, you know, maybe this is just a result product of my age and the time I was raised in, but yeah, it feels like we've come from a place where we've tried to categorize and put our art forms in discrete buckets, whether that's different, as we talked about on last podcast, like the difference between Game of Thrones and the Marvel series. Um, yeah. Whether that's the difference between a musical on stage and a musical and cast recording and like yeah and a hip-hop concept album with a full-on story and acts and like yeah. a break in the middle like what's the difference yeah. between that and a musical one's not on broadway and maybe that's it exactly um because like i wouldn't be surprised if lady gaga popped on a broadway stage and i yeah. probably wouldn't complain i think she's a fantastic actress yeah. and um I don't really know about Beyonce's acting salt, but well, actually, what am I saying? Yeah, of great. course, I do. Yeah. She's in Dream Girls. Yeah, um, she's very. Do you know what yeah. I mean? If she popped up on a Broadway stage, yeah. absolutely fab. You're not going to make as much money, so she's never going to do right. it. But yeah, but I th- I'm I'm not opposed. And I do. Like, I think the thing, like, I at least I feel like I'm dancing around, and I wonder if you feel this too. Is like this is one of the things that uh, less so in recent times, especially with Hamilton's prevalence. But it's one of the things that makes me really pissy at this dismissive. Um, attitude towards musical theater that yeah. it's like this simplistic gay babyish ridiculous art form but it is yep. so complex and interesting and multifaceted and useful and lets you communicate yeah. these really intricate ideas that you can't do in other ways and totally. now seeing it in pop art forms but you know it's been around forever it's been around since the 1970s yeah. since Sondheim and Wheeler were doing with the, the little night music. Yeah. And it's it is. It's that you know, there will always be uh Katy Perry's and there'll always be Tay Tay's, mm-hmm. but you know, there will always be uh Stephen Ward's and Android Webber crap shows. Um yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? There's there's bad and there's good everywhere. Yeah. Uh and actually this this kind of fits into the coda that I've got here, but we can just include it in this section because I don't think mm. we need to spend too much time talking about it. But um, what we were talking about last week, mm-hmm. we never got the heated discussion on Reddit that I was sad about. <laughs> um, so you've still got time, guys. Um, <laughs> obviously nobody cares but me. Um, but Sondheim wages in on the opera musical debate. Yeah. Um, and so he says that operas are composed in service to a larger musical architecture mm-hmm. that an opera composer is thinking about the music almost primarily yeah. and how everything else fits into that. Um, and I would argue that good operas are composed in that manner mm-hmm. um, in the same way that good musicals are composed in a similar thought. Yeah. Um, you know... Obviously, he was right. He he wrote these books mm-hmm. in a time when there, I would say, there were very good sung through musicals, which blur the lines of, uh, you know, music and opera. Yeah. Um, and I would include Sweeney Todd in that, yeah. and he he just seemed to kind of ignore Sweeney <laughs> Todd when he was talking about dismissive it, dismissive of it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but then when he goes, you know, in the Sweeney Todd section, he talks about um how he wanted to avoid Ressa and he wanted to, you know, a lot of people call it uh, an opera mm-hmm. um, or a dark opera. Uh, 
and he kind of accepts that. And so I'm like, come on, Sonny, get you know, come up with a, an answer here because if there's anyone who's going to do it, right? Um, he's it's it's going to be you, yeah, or at least he um, has the the grit and the the uh, the backing to be able to have a standing answer. Yeah, it's like what's the difference between yeah. a musical and opera in every way? Yeah, but he he really says that. Um, it, it really makes the argument for musicals having dialogue. Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of cool. I find that kind of interesting because, yeah. you know, I'd look to something like Comet, mm-hmm. um, some of the Les Mis, yeah. where you ain't got none, yeah. um, but you've still got fantastic musical there. Yeah. Um, and still very much feels like a piece of musical theater. Yeah. And like, what's and we the know difference? that we know that Sunday we know that Sunday likes Comet. Yeah. I don't know. Do we? Does so. He? Yeah, we do know that. We do know that. Great. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I wonder if he'd call it a musical or an opera. I wonder if he'd call Les Mis a yeah, musical or an opera. You know, well, he he would know when he wrote when he wrote um, finishing there. Les Mis existed, yeah, very much so. Yeah. So, why didn't he mention it? Yeah, I don't know. Les Mis, do you know? In, I I do know when when I think about musical the musical opera dichotomy, Les Mis is the one that always sits in the middle for me, um, because it is entirely sung through. Because it has dialogue that is sung through, um, because yep. it is so yeah, epic in it. nature, um, because it's based on like an epic novel, like it has all yep. the trappings of an opera, at least as far as I've considered one, but is a musical. And I don't, yep. I don't know why. Maybe this is a thing I'll develop as I grow older. But something about because Les no Mis- one, no one sings like. Burr! I said it last week. That's the reason. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe it's because people, you maybe know, opera singers it. don't want to do Les Mis, but they do. That's not true. I don't, right. I don't know. Yeah. No. No. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Les Mis is no, if Sondheim doesn't know, nobody, nobody knows. knows. I want that on a T-shirt. But do you know? Let us know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we want to know. Um, just as a final point, uh, if you're out there, um, producers. Please, please make a revival sending the part with George cast recording. Please. Please and thank you. I bet you Because it needs an update. Isn't it rich? Isn't it queer? Losing my timing. Where are the clouds? There ought to be clouds. Well, maybe next That was a little night music. That was a little night music. We didn't make a single Ina Kleine Nacht music joke throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Wait, where are the jokes to be made about that? <laughs> well, what it are the jokes like? You, you said that as if you're like, ah. Oh. That's, that's, no, but... that's the confusing thing about the whole show. It has nothing to do with Ina Kleine Nacht music, uh-huh. except in title. Okay. That's it. Yeah. 
But that's fine. I find this. But that's what he always wanted to call it. It is. It's it's not even what he always wanted to call it. It's just a title he always wanted to use that he happened to apply to this show. Right. Yeah. He was like, listen, because it's set at night. The the title I know. The title of a little night music, I think, might be the least descriptive thing about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But I mean it gives I don't know, it kinda gives that sense of like, oh, it's classical sounding and it's very light and Mozarty, but it's not. But it's not. There's um, not even a song like <laughs> Night Waltzes is the closest a title of the of a song comes to, like there's not even a song called a Little Night Music in it. No, I know. Who knows? That's it's a nice name. <laughs> it's a nice name. Um You have yeah. a quiz question for us, don't you? I've got a really extra special quiz question for you. I'm really excited. Tommy, do you know why? Why? Because it's linked. What? Right. <laughs> We're playing Linky. Do you have that game, Linky? The one where uh, he saves the princess and defeats Ganon? No. Oh, but don't, Tommy. That was mean, wasn't it? What? He just brought up Zelda. And uh, I don't have a Switch. Bad if I bring up Zelda? Oh, do you guys not have the Switch yet? No, we do, but I don't own one yet. I don't own one yet. It's in the mail. Ugh, I hate you even more. We can't. Well, the boyfriend has to take a test about being a doctor, and we can't play it till it comes, so it's still like two weeks away before we can play it anyway. Ugh, fine. I might not have it then either. <laughs> I hate moving into property. <laughs> anyway. The quiz question. Interesting, fascinating link quiz question. So Catherine Zeta-Jones, we all know, played Desiree Armfelt mm-hmm. in the Little Night Music Broadway um, revival mm-hmm. that was her Broadway debut. It was her debut on Broadway. On Broadway, but did you know this is far from her theatrical stage debut? Mm-hmm. In fact, she got her big break in a West End production of this musical that we're going to talk about next week. No way! What are the chances? I wonder how. I wonder if what you could do chances? like one degree of separation of Jim and Tomic podcast musicals. And like draw a line of like who was in what one week to the next. There'd be some problems well, when, we, when you hit great comments. <laughs> when we release our um, book, yes, or a musical or whatever deal that we get, uh-huh. or that we may already have, probably no, no, yeah, probably. Um, it will be in there in some sort of pictographic <laughs> thing. Look forward to it. Yeah. It, um, if oh, you want to get in contact with us, I'm Musical Mash on Twitter, Musical Theater Mash on YouTube. Yes, you are. I am Asin Hendricks on YouTube and Twitter, and our show Twitter is at Jim and Tomic. Come say hi. Or you can go to our website, jimandtomic.com, and do please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. It does good things in those places, and as always, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts from. Exactly. Um, go like us on Facebook. We're lacking in the likes. I feel, I feel disliked, <laughs> and- Jimmy. I feel like I'm hated. <laughs> um, no, go follow us on Facebook. Jim and Tomic, search for it. Um, we're going to get a wee bit more active on social media because we've not really been. That's a dangerous and, promise. Well, I will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to. Um, and uh, yeah, come and say hello. If you say hello to us, then we'll use it a lot more. Yeah. Right? Um, and also tell your friends about the podcast. Yeah. Please. We'll see you next week. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. Until then, ta-ta. Bye. She, I mean, she is British. Really? Yeah, she's Welsh. That's ridiculous.
How dare she? <laughs> dare she be well? <laughs> she's that's why she's got the weirdest accent on the planet. Yes, have you not realized that? I, I, now I have. It's all it's all coming together. And I touch you like this. Put that and up. Put that head. away. Put that what? away. You don't like it's all coming back to me now? Not particularly. Never nights when the is Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 